0: Oh. Break time is over. It's CL. Y'all know what time? Uh. The mother guys ain't got no style. We know what's up before we go down. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the fans' voice. You hear them both cap. This what the people need and what they want now. This is the run down. This is the run down. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the run down. This is the running down. This is the run down. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. Yeah. 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 Hey, what's happening? What up, though? What to do, folks? It's your homie, homie, C.L. And we back live on the Rundown South. Gotta know that. And i like to thank y'all for joining me. However, you join me, I do appreciate it. Hopefully, you came through from the rundown.com Or maybe you're coming through from facebook.com or even twitter.com because we live right now and we doing this thing live because we got the capabilities you know why not so uh today i wanted to get a guest on the line so i could talk about some real subjects y'all hold on for a second see already because we are doing things live there is, of course, going to be a few things that can go AWOL. And I'm trying to make sure I have everything going according to play. So, you know, last time uh, we had a podcast, we talked with my man, um, Couch Coach, and we were doing some, like, sports stuff. And in the coming weeks, you know, we've had some, some protests because people really want change right now. And I've kind of been quiet. I haven't really said too much. Um, only because I like to be informed. And two, I haven't really heard too much that I could bring to the conversation until now. So okay. since I have something to say and I didn't want to talk to myself, I also wanted to get somebody who's very educated on the line. And I have none other than Amber Sherman. Um, so some of you may know her from the Law According to Amber podcast and I know her because we recorded a podcast that no longer exists um but with that out the way what's going on Amber how you doing today
1: I'm good how are you
0: Can't complain I am I'm alive I am you know able to stand up straight and I'm really Perfect. thankful for that I agree So You know, before we really get into the whole nitty gritty about our topic today, um, I want to give people a quick introduction to who you are and your podcast Um, and, you know, just just give them a little bit of an intro so they can kind of get to know who you are.
1: Yeah, sure. Um, Like you said, my name is Amber Sherman. I am a native Memphian, so I'm from the South. I am a political consultant and a grad student currently. Um, I have a podcast called The Law According to Amber, and every other Monday we discuss controversial topics with a mixture of legal facts and statistics, and of course my own opinion, so that makes it The Law Court to Amber.
0: Mm. And I do enjoy your podcast because you break down some subjects um, that people like me who are really you know vested into politics like that and you make it real understandable and that's kind of why i ended up liking your podcast and join and wanting you to get me to join the last time so um i really do appreciate what you are putting out there i try
1: you know i try to give the people what they
0: want and um so like real quick what's what's the latest and greatest with the law according to amber
1: um. Well, actually, right now, I just posted yesterday um, on Instagram. That I was taking a little break because I really can't make content right now, like with so much stuff going on. And I really feel like I have to be like in a certain mindset. And I'm just not in that mindset right now. Like um, I actually was doing an educated voter series. So I was talking to different public officials. I talked to a city councilwoman. Um, I talked to a general session court judge, like about what exactly those positions do. Um, how do you get into that position, just like interesting questions, like what exactly you tackle, because I think a lot of times, like similar positions like that, people don't really know what they do, Um, but they just know that they're voting for them, so just kind of educate people on each separate position, but a lot of the elected officials I want to interview are busy right now, because of one, corona, and two, like all these protests and all that stuff, so they aren't available anyways. So I thought it was the best idea to like just put it on pause until things kind of cool down here in Memphis because we've been protesting for like almost a week now.
0: Okay, so that brings us right into the subject. So you really out there on the front lines of the protests? You know, yeah,
1: like all black bandana and all.
0: You know, so real quick, give me like a uh a, a view of like what's going down on like the street level, like. How how are people really feeling? Like do they feel like they're making an impact with the protests that they're doing?
1: Um, I feel like they do feel like, you know, going out there and letting their voices be heard makes an impact, but they also know that it takes like twofold policy as well to like really make some kind of change. I think the biggest issue of Memphis is that like it's it's always been um the center of the civil rights movement. As a city. So, when stuff like this happens, people just expect Memphis to react. But I really feel like in this instance, where we had three black people killed back to back to back within a three month period, it really puts people in a state of emergency. As I tell other people at um, an event I was at, I feel like black people are in a state of emergency because they're just seeing so much trauma in such a short amount of time that it's very um, triggering for people. And that's kind of really jump, putting people to, you know, jump to action. And really pushing them to come out and say something like i've seen a lot of people speak out who never go to protest or never would you know normally really even care because they're seeing how real it is
0: right <clears throat> excuse me and that that's a big thing you know if if people are actually starting to like you know stir up emotions in other people by your actions i i feel like that is part of what the power of protest does you know get enough people on your side versus or not versus but on a certain subject you know versus you know just being idle and being saying that's not really a big deal
1: yeah and i think that that's happening twofold here especially and you've seen in other cities where like yeah they're out protesting or some people are rioting or whatever but they're also getting new uh, policy ideals presented like here yesterday in our city council meeting we had resolutions presented that were uh, tackling police reform. One um, from my own city councilman, J.B. Smiley. It was a bill to um, add in like police complaints and body camera uh, misuse complaints and uh, into like the public data, uh, the data website they have. Like they have a public data website database where you can go and like look up all that information. And that resolution, all the other resolutions passed, but that was the most important to me because I feel like As I was telling him, there really is no mandatory reporting requirement. And basically we don't find out if an officer has all these complaints until they kill somebody.
0: Wow. So so that's like a major issue right now that people are trying to push forward is you know, making the fact that
1: making it more transparent,
0: making the whole process more transparent and allowing people to feel like something can be done when something Mm -hmm. goes wrong.
1: And he compared it to um, actually the one they have in Chicago, which doesn't just show like how many complaints you have, but it also shows where that complaint is in the process. Like if it was just filed, if it's being heard in the hearing or what the standing on what was found. So you kind of know where exactly something is going, not just like that a complaint was filed, like, you know, exactly what's happening with it, So you can kind of hold people accountable because, if you know, you have all these complaints filed against you, but none of them have even been heard you can't hold our police department accountable and say, hey, this person has 20 complaints, but I'm not seeing any hearings because you don't have that information available.
0: Okay. And I know you kind of pressed for time, so I'm, I'm going to kind of move along. And oh. speaking of that, like, what do you think of the um, RAISE new organization, you know, the, the 8 that can't wait? Or is it that, did I say it right? Eight,
1: eight, eight. Yeah, eight the 8
0: can yeah. OK, I, I knew I was going to mess it up, but they can't wait because I feel like that's one of the more concrete things that people can really like sink their teeth into when it mm-hmm. comes to talking about things that need to change. Um, so do you feel like that's one of those good examples or is that something that still needs to get the kinks worked out of?
1: Yeah, we actually, that was one of the resolutions they passed that our city council was um adopting the eight can't wait policies. I think the biggest issue I've seen with it, with our police department and other police departments when they've been, you know, trying to adopt those resolutions or get them, get the policy approved, is like just blowbacks from the police department. Like that they're saying, you know, we already do this or we're coming up with our own policies. This is what our police director said yesterday. He was like, well, some of those were already banned. But we're not talking about some of those that are already banned. We're talking about the ones that aren't. And he wants to focus on you know what they've done already, but obviously there's still an issue. If people are still being killed. People have been killed in Memphis unjustly, so obviously even if you have three of those, you know adopted already, there's still an issue because it's still happening.
0: Right. So, and that brings up something that I heard like earlier today on the podcast, which is the police unions being in the way of a lot of change. And the way they move, you know, they were kind of being compared to the mafia because, you know, they would, a business would support Black Lives Matter. And then Mm -hmm. you might hear a high ranking official from a police department say some unsavory things about their business. And, you know, kind of outright intimidating the business of whether or not to support a cause. Like, Mm -hmm. have you seen any of that personally? Yeah,
1: I think the biggest issue right now is that because all this unrest has started, they're, they're putting a big spotlight on police unions. Like, you're really noticing the power that they have. Like, our police union here, they've been harassing um, one of the county commissioners. It's like one of my favorite county commissioners. Her name's Stanley Sawyer. They were calling her the N-word, like the heart ER. Mm. They were just calling, like different fat jokes, just stuff that isn't even related to um, like the act, her as a representative, she's a great county commissioner. Um, but the police union posted like some satire articles or some some random website media. I don't even know who they are. I've never heard of them before. But they just posted that random website article of um, Tammy wanting to remove ten percent from the the budget to apply to community services, and they victimized it like making sound like they were you know victims in this, and they're not like. The police department receives almost triple the amount of the actual budget of our whole city. Like there's no reason they need that much money. And if she's the county commissioner, so she was addressing the sheriff's budget, but 10% of the sheriff's budget was $18 million. It's not even a lot. So you got to consider how much money they're really putting into that budget if 10% is 18 million. 18 money. million is a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And they were literally attacking her over this. And I've never seen people, like, jump on someone so hard just because they're afraid of any kind of change. But if you're really a police officer, like, that's dedicated to that job and you want to see crime be reduced, you also have to address the social issues that are causing crime. Crime is proximity-based. We've talked about this, like, in numerous um, meetings I've been in and within the organizations. So if you're only policing people but you're not actually, like, going into that community, doing actual work, Providing social services, like trying to do things to reduce domestic violence and stuff like that. Like here in Memphis, domestic violence cases are really high in apartment complexes. Mm. So instead of like just driving around the apartment complexes, what are you doing to reduce the domestic violence cases?
0: Right. And man, it, it's like, it seems like I've, Taking the right time to bring you onto the podcast because <laughs> it's like I, I really had to take some time and really get informed on this subject. And that was another thing that I really learned in the last couple of weeks, you know, which is the police are really here for a lot of other things besides just upholding the law, their, you know, mental health. You know, like you said, domestic violence, <laughs> you know, drug addiction, like they deal with everything, you know, nothing they have, a, is... they
1: have a very high alcoholism rate within the police department. Like not just the one here where I live, but like just overall. And you can even see like when you see like different protest videos and stuff, you can see how they move like a mob. Like I wouldn't just from the internet stuff alone, I would say they do, but you can even see how they act like it doesn't take eight officers for one person. And the way they like just huddle up and you know immediately put on ride gear, like why do you fear so much for your life and you're in a job that's dangerous? Right. That doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah,
0: and and it kind of sounds like you're you're a fan of defund the police. I'm, I'm guessing.
1: I'm definitely a fan of defund the police. I'm hosting a defund the police black party tonight.
0: Oh wow so you all the way with it okay what (laughs) what's what's going on at the defund the police block party like real quick
1: i'm just trying to um highlight the fact that marginalized neighborhoods don't receive funding and the police department receives way more than technically they need really i mean they spent so much money on uh equipment and stuff that they barely even use because they're so nervous of what could happen or what could possibly become of something that they're overspending and stuff. And it's not necessary. We don't, as as a city, the Memphis, as a city, does not invest any money into education at all. Mm -hmm. But yet our mayor is always complaining. He just complained today about how third graders aren't even reading on the third grade level, only 25%. But you don't put any money into education. So you can't complain about something you're not willing to fix.
0: And that's, I'm like, that is a thing that is true across the board. You know, they people will complain about things and solutions will be made they'll be put out there in front of them and if it's not either to their liking or to their allegiances then it just gets passed over um i've I've seen a lot of instances in that so that that definitely is a an issue that that hits home right there excuse me aren't you
1: in atlanta i am even in Atlanta, like the mayor funded the police, she gave them so much money, and then got on the news conference complaining and upset at y'all for stuff that was destroyed. But you're literally funding that police department that doesn't even need all that money.
0: Come on, real quick, can you hear me?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, all right. I'm trying to get my headphones right. It's just it's not cooperating today, so I apologize. Anybody listening right now, there's a slight echo. I'm just. I don't have my regular headphones, and I, I'm beside myself. But nonetheless, we're going to continue with this podcast. All right, Amber. So we've been going strong for a little bit. I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to get the people something to check out. In the meantime, Amber, how can people follow you? Uh,
1: they can follow me on Instagram and Facebook. Same name, the law according to Amber. Um, or Instagram, my regular instagram is A's for afro but i just post tiktok videos so if you don't want to see tiktok videos that's all i'll be posting really
0: okay that you know what it's nothing wrong with that uh y'all give me a few minutes we'll be right back More after this run down south Sorry about that, folks. I know I said I had something for you, but, you know, technology. But I ain't leave for that long, so there's always Mm -hmm. an upside. (laughs) But uh, we are back once again at the Rundown South on every platform. We are here with Amber Sherman from The Law According to Amber. And we are talking about protests. We are talking about trying to make some real substantial change. And it's part of the whole reason i had amber come on my pod it's because i had some takes about what we need to do for change and i wanted to talk to somebody who really knows about politics to see if these are really feasible things that can actually help so if y'all interested in learning a little bit just keep watching i appreciate everybody out there watching this live so all right amber so so far we talked about protests and the power that the people have to emotionally make changes in other people and really catapult something to actually being done. Um, that is one school of thought when it comes to making things happen or making things change. There is another school of thought when you're playing politics that it's really about money, you know, bottom line, Where's the money coming from? What's the incentive? It's usually money. Uh, And I'm starting to feel like... I guess it's like a two-pronged thing. One, it's the organization. And two, it's the money coming together in an organized way. So... I have a problem with the fact that there's a real lack of organization around issues that people can sink their teeth into... Um, you know, whether it's, you know, you know, prison reform, if we're going to start putting more into social issues, um, you know, I don't really see where people have like stood on a platform and said, this is the thing that we need to push through. Let's take it, take it to our representative, make our representative stand up for this. And if they don't, we'll vote them out, you know, so that's like one big issue that I have is, am, am I seeing that wrong?
1: Um, I would say that it's there. You just maybe don't know where to find it because, um, that's kind of part of the work that I do is like organizing groups with lobbying for different like subjects and all that stuff. But I also think that with technology and the way that it's advanced, you kind of have more of a, a front row seat that you wouldn't have normally. Like previously before, the internet was like so fast and so available and the access was better. You know, people were like calling their reps and e- and um, either emailing or writing letters, um, but we don't have the same, we didn't have the same access as we do now. Like somebody can just post a script on Facebook and I can copy it, send an email and the emails are all there. Like people just do the work for you. And so I think if you're asking people to do stuff like that, but you want them to do the work too, like you got to write your own letter and you got to find the emails for yourself people are less likely to do it. But now as you have these orgs that are like, hey, here's a script, here's the email, send this to them right now. It does work because even in our city council meeting that we had just yesterday, that was one of the reasons that were cited. Like even my city councilman, I emailed all of them and he was like, you know, we can't ignore the thousands of emails that we got because people weren't sending like just regular scripts. They were adding personal statements and stuff into them too. So like real people were contacting them and you can't ignore that, but you also have to just know where to find it. And not everybody's plugged in, and not everybody has the same access. I talk about access actually quite a lot on my podcast and just, like, in real life because as a millennial growing up and, like, just kind of discovering what I want to do in life, you realize that your access is not the same as everyone else's. I know plenty of people who don't have houses, who don't have cars, who don't eat every day. Like, my access and theirs is just completely different. And, like, their upbringing and minds can be completely different. So that just changes the route and the access that you have, like, even just the basic internet. Stuff like that. Like, not everyone has that. It's so a working phone. So you can't assume, like, oh, they can call their rep because their phone, you know, they have a phone. They can do that. Not everyone has their own phone.
0: No, that that's a serious issue, you know. And I always think about, um, like, certain areas that don't have access to, like, fast Internet and things like that. And, you know, I was talking to somebody about 5G. And, of course, there's all, like, the, you know, crazy, you know, conspiracy (laughs) theories behind 5G, which I just, I cannot get behind. I'm sorry. Uh, It's it's just too much money. Like this is just, they want to get the money. It's not for that. So I'm going to, I'm going to excuse that. He installs
1: 5G. Like he actually is installing 5G for like over a year now.
0: Right. So whatever. But anyway, the thing about 5G is it does bring. Um, the ability to have faster internet pretty much anywhere. And, you know, right now, I mean, I cannot even remember the guy from the FCC's name, um, but, you know, they just had that big auction at the beginning of the year and mm-hmm. they were auctioned off a lot of, you know, frequency cited, but disappointed because I knew we probably would not have any seats at the table or just not that many. You know. Yeah. And I felt like that was like a missed opportunity as far as like for somebody for, you know, like the black community to like get involved ground level on something that's definitely gonna be here to stay and yeah. it's gonna be depend like not just the government, but everybody's gonna be kinda of be dependent on stuff like five G.
1: Yeah. I agree. Um, I think it goes back to the same thing with access though. Even our um, our mayor has like a con had like a some kind of grant or something that was given to have five G in Memphis, but it's only available in downtown and kind of near midtown. It's not available in the most needy places like North Memphis, Frazier, Whitehaven, all those places who are like almost either food deserts or just resource deserts. They don't have any actual resources like South Memphis and stuff. They aren't getting five G. And then, like when the Corona hit, that's when really when people started paying attention to the fact that people don't have internet. Like they can't go home and do their schoolwork. They don't have computers. They don't have internet. They don't have any of that stuff. And then some of these people who install the internet, some places can't even get internet. Like they don't have the infrastructure right. to get it.
0: So yeah, that man, that 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 is that has so many levels to it, and I know for me i see like a couple things within that and it kind of just brings to my larger point which is we don't have like the organizational infrastructure that the other side has and i feel like because they have so many you know coalitions and you know these you know different organizations i don't know what you call them but like they you know, super packs. I don't know what the, what's the the technical term for them, but uh, lobbying groups. You Who's know, the other side. Talking about? You know, so it's like we. I don't feel like we play that game enough for like change because they buy change. They put money into the politicians, and the politicians vote for what they want. Yeah, so, I mean that's the thing. But who is the like the other side? Is it like big corporations? Like, who, yeah, who do you like? Like, like whatever, like like Verizon or AT&T you know the the guy who runs the FCC is in the pocket for those big companies for Comcast, Verizon, AT&T and that's how they got net neutrality pass because before then he was a lobbyist and what does that tell you it's like whatever they want they're going to get
1: and stuff like with T-Mobile and Sprint wanted to merge or like that's kind of how that. I feel like that's how that passed because I really don't yeah. f- with the law and stuff. I don't think that it should have um, been approved because it really does make it kind of a monopoly. And the service still
0: isn't any better. That's why I don't got t vote but you know. I don't. I don't
1: have a Verizon. I don't mess with them. I don't do that. But either. I, I also don't hate on Verizon either because Verizon gives a lot of money away. Like they actually do a lot of good community work. But I definitely feel like you know they didn't bought their way into some situations with well, all
0: corporate. Well, I'm about to say Verizon is not an American company. Um, they're, they're they're owned by a parent company from Europe. So it wouldn't surprise me that they would be a little bit different than like an American grown company. You know, the infrastructure and the culture is just a little different. And I've noticed that a lot across the board when it comes to like how like people change or like how well a, a company changes. You know, I know we've been talking about Target a lot, but. Uh Target has actually been some, Target. So Huh? I love me some Target, so it's whatever. Like Target has actually been behind the black community in kind of a big way, <laughs> like before this. <laughs> but
1: they've been doing it. Like <laughs> so it's been- like,
0: man, the irony. But it's like and then but it happened in Minnesota, and Minnesota is headquarters to Target. And so if you don't know, like there's <laughs> targets literally everywhere. It. So it's it's kind of just like where it happened.
1: And they said they was fine with it. They was like we still going to pay they the employees whatever they, they Like they get was... it. They understand that no real revolution happens without us burning some shit down.
0: Exactly. That's a Midwest company though. You know, East Coast New York companies, They was a, the statements was a little different. I'm they, just putting it were... out
1: here. I sent a lot of emails out cuz they've been real shaky.
0: Yes. So I I think there there's something to do with that. Um but I don't feel like like us as a community, we don't have a lot of these organizations that kind of just like funnel up, you know, I go an example, say like, if we had like a, a, like a big barber and hairstyle union, um, I don't know what it'd be, whatever you want to call it. This is just say, you know, hair people for America. And if, there was some laws that need to be enacted in order for them to make more money. If there was an organization that they paid into, they could also buy a politician to get those laws changed so they could start making more money. But yeah. we don't play that game. I
1: mean, it's all a access and resources thing. They don't have that. They don't have money to play that game. Like even here, there's actually a very huge, um, barber and hairstyling community like cosmetology community because they tried to pass like a whole bunch of bills which like deregulate um hairstyling and stuff in tennessee and they came together really quick they're very organized here like they were down okay. in nashville whenever they needed to be but they also don't have the money so the um, it was mainly like the Koch brothers who bought out different like representatives and stuff mm-hmm. they had the money to do it and the representatives they were willing to sell out so I know a lot of a lot of the bills didn't pass like some of the deregulation stuff didn't pass they actually they were able to garner support but I mean there's definitely going to be a discrepancy there because we're not
0: millionaires right and I mean that that is to a certain degree but that that again like see like you said it works to a certain degree on a small scale mm-hmm. and I think we have to start taking stuff like that, and we have to, we got to grow. It. Like, yeah, we have gotta. somebody, it's like, if we're going to invest money, it's like we need to start investing into organizing. We put a lot of money into, you know, put, getting people out of jail, which is great, in legal defense, which is great, Um, you know, trying to get people educated, which is great, but there's not a lot of investment into just saying, let's start an organization that can represent Everybody across 50 states, you know, I mean, everybody, if you're in it, like if you ever worked in the union, you have to do a thing called pay union dues. And so that's how the money gets generated to do what you need to do. So I think
1: it's from the standpoint of you have to start at the paying the bail and the legal defenses and all that stuff to even get to that point. Because if I'm say it's me as a regular person, if I go to jail for a crime, I've lost my job because I've been in jail and someone comes a few months later and pays my bill, so I get out, and then my case is dismissed, and a lawyer pays the fee for me to get it expunged, I then have to start all over and get a job and accumulate wealth. So you have to do those beginning steps to even get to the point of investing and putting anything into any you know type of investment, corp, or whatever. Because if we already don't have enough people, because most of them are in jail, we get those people out of jail and we actually rehabilitate them, then we do have a bigger chance of, you know, because you have to realize that also we aren't we're 13% of the population. So we're not a huge point of the population. So we literally either have to get those people who are, you know, in jail or whatever, rehabilitated, or you really have to build wealth from our own communities. But that's going to take a lot of money and a lot of resources because not everyone has jobs that pay a lot. I
0: mean, this is.
1: It's all. Yeah. A, I think it's all a small step system to get to the big step. Like right. you want to get to that investing, but you got to start small to even get people good paying jobs. Like all of it is tied together. And once you achieve, you know, each thing step by step by step, you're going to get towards, you know, that bigger goal. Because realistically, even white people who had a trust fund or whatever, they still had to, you know, go step by step to achieve building on that trust fund or, you know, making wealth from
0: that. Right. And man, you, you, you kind of like summed it up real good. Um, And I I do think that there definitely has to be some of those small steps. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm also, I guess from my standpoint, it's like I'm looking at who's already there Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to figure out like, what are they doing? It's like, what are yeah. the things that y'all are doing right now? It's like, because I was like, I almost feel like there's not even a model to follow because the people who are organized and have the money aren't mm-hmm. either speaking up or not pushing things forward and making their endorsements more powerful. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there's uh, you got the small but black business.
1: People who are,
0: are like, I know
1: are wealthy and they're not saying shit.
0: Right. And I mean, even like the like small black business association. Um, I'm not trying to call them out but I can't think of like one thing that they have like pushed through politically you know that they like oh that's the thing that they did they may have done it you know behind closed doors and I don't know you know who knows but usually you know I said the other side definitely you can find the receipts you know what I'm yeah. saying when something wants to get it done it that gets is- done
1: I would think they definitely had a hand in, like, the COVID aid, like how they were able to, uh, you know, get their aid provided to small businesses. And even, you know, people who weren't small businesses but got the money and gave it back, they were able to help hold those people accountable because the guidelines were a little bit too loose and, you know, Congress of <laughs> That's they- an
0: understatement.
1: Yeah, but then people get it who shouldn't have. And then here goes, you know, Small Business Association holding those people accountable and even other, like, small business owners and just social media in general really was able to hold them accountable to get the money back. So I think they definitely had a hand in that. I don't know what else they had a hand in because I'm not a small business owner. So I'm not like no. tied into the association. But I do pay attention to politics and I do talk to my congressman every, you know, every now and again. I do talk to my local officials. So I know that they're doing things, but it involves a heavy amount of work. Like I was live posting and tweeting the city council session yesterday. It takes a lot of work to do all that stuff. And it's for something that I'm doing for free. I can understand how like people just aren't plugged in because it takes so much energy. I mean, I was typing for three hours.
0: Mm. So, yeah, you, you know, in, but you, you have a mission. You're trying to push this thing forward, you know? Oh
1: yeah. Like a lot of other people have been saying, we're not going to have another, it's not going to keep happening over and over again. Like this is the last time I want to let this happen before we just burn everything down and move or something. Like I can't, we can't keep doing this. Like I have never protested this long in my life. This is incredibly draining. And for us to come out of this with no solutions, I will be damned.
0: Right. I know. I know for me, like, I'm, I look at the way to actually make change in a community is through local politics. Like just what you're doing Like I feel like you You like you are doing The Lord's work You know You (laughs) To a certain degree is like There's like the thing The the cog that you serve and like trying to get the people To get on with the things That's like Literally near Dear to their hearts And they're probably not Even looking up To pay attention Like That is Very much so Something that we need Out here Now For somebody like me Who Like this is probably as much as I'm comfortable with doing is like having a podcast and having these discussions. Now, besides that, like what else could somebody like me do just to like, kind of, you know, get out there local? of course, vote. And there was an issue with voting in Georgia yesterday. Surprise. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then I heard what was going on. So of course it was like, I don't know if I really needed to vote. Uh, that much because it didn't seem like They was going to just let me have it um, it, it I, I felt like I should have but I You know what I'm, I'm going to be honest with you Yesterday was my birthday So like you know It was my yes. birthday I, I just I couldn't do it I, <laughs> It was like I had some pre-scheduled Things beforehand like, Before the voting okay. came And what my, my man said it took him four hours To get out of there And this was the primary you know,
1: token example of voter suppression.
0: I know it. It was. And I was just like, you know what? I'm, you letting
1: people suppress your vote. That's the
0: thing. That's 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 why I'm gonna have to step up. I know in the actual like the election in November, I'm gonna show up. You know, like
1: is, yeah, too though. Like I know primary you're sure you're is. Primaries matter, too, because Dems run against each other and Republicans run against each other all the time. But there still can be, you know, a candidate that meets your your needs. Right. Like you have a whole family and stuff like so your priorities are a little bit different. So your account, your uh, county commissioners and local city council and all that stuff are really important to you because they decide like basic ordinances and taxes and budgets and stuff like that.
0: And I, I know because I was talking a little bit about this um, with like the stuff that Killer Mike said, you know, mm-hmm. being a bully at the at the ballot and getting them district attorneys up out of there. And I was like, man, that sounds so great when you say it. Um, but, of course, um, if you ever been in Georgia there, there's or I'm, excuse me, if you ever been to Atlanta, you have to realize there's Atlanta and then there's Georgia. Yeah. Georgia. Just like if
1: you ever been to Memphis, you realize there's
0: Memphis. And then there's Tennessee. See, yes, yes. I I know. I've, I've rode through plenty of times. I, I I just know where to stop. So I like to express it as
1: the state of Memphis because we're definitely a whole <laughs> state.
0: And, you know, so it's, there is a thing to where, like, you know, you kind of, like, you feel like in your everyday life when you go yeah. to the ballot box that it might, do something, but like people who already have that inert sense that they know, like Georgia is happening around them, it will mm-hmm. feel like like it's a little bit of something to overcome.
1: Feels doom and gloom, yeah. I understand. I mean, I live in Tennessee, so I get it. It feels very doom and gloom at times. And I took all the time. It takes a lot for someone to like. If you have the means and the resources to move, it takes a lot to not move to a state to just treat people better. Like just just be like like that's been my biggest issue with like growing up. And like actually being an adult and realizing what they do in our state right like why don't i just move but you have to think of like the work that you're doing and why it's important because not everybody can just pick up and move like i don't have kids so theoretically i could just leave if i wanted to but right i choose to stay and do the work because i know that if i do leave that leaves a gap for people who are looking for those resources or they need help with different things
0: okay so i i guess- trying to get back to what i was wanting to ask you which is like what else could i do besides just vote you know it's like i'm I'm like
1: like using your platform to educate people like just like i was telling you about the educated voter series i've been doing i mean you can ask elected officials to come on your um your podcast or you know use your your facebook to share something like i know people don't like to always get like political but if there's like a serious issue like a DA who needs to get out of office, or a county commissioner who, you know, is doing some crazy stuff, write a post about it on the place where you're gonna get the most activity and the most the most eyes on it. Like you have to think about that. Like you always want to use your platforms to the best of your ability. And then also remember that like everything works hand in hand. Like it's not just the the protesters here, the rioters over here, the few policy ideas. They all work together. So like you have to use all of that together and know that you know with the protests going on and then a few riots here and there and then some policy stuff that's been like on the back burner you can use that pressure to bring that back up because you see the mayor she was just chilling right. until y'all started stuff down and then she was trying to get t.i. and them on the line and then they sound stupid
0: tip i'm gonna talk I about feel like her i'm gonna talk about on a whole nother podcast Okay, I'm just gonna. That's my man's, and like you know, it's I love to, I, I love I tip like to death. I but I gotta, we're gonna have then, to have like a, a heart to heart.
1: Yeah, <sighs> you know. Like he's an example of when you go to jail and read a few extra books than you normally do, Man. and you come out in person like that's him, and even the stuff she was saying about. Them owning most of the west side—that's not cool. Like they're literally, that literally points to the fact that like celebrities are monopolizing wealth. Like you saying they own half of this area. Why they own half of the area? Why is half of the area a community garden, or why isn't it affordable enough for you know a regular citizen to own it?
0: Right. Well, that that is definitely something. But I, I think that's they're kind of following the. The Master P uh, model, which is like we buy the block up and our people ain't got to go nowhere because they'll come gentrify your stuff in a minute. They, you know what I'm saying? Like as soon as they can zone it up right and get enough land and get enough people to agree, you up out of there. You know, ask some folks up on Franken Road and everybody over here by this stadium uh, over here in Cobb County. Like folk had whole houses and they had to get up out of there you know yes. because they needed to run I would, some
1: I would that if it wasn't an investment property like the stuff they own people aren't living there for free like right. it's an investment property and they, it's properties they're building up so they're making they bought them to make money they didn't buy them to save people from losing their houses like if the intent was different if they say oh you know this whole block is 60 plus older married couples and they often lose their house them buy it up and pay their mortgages off okay but that's not what they did they bought up land so they could build properties on it so they could Tax people hella money for it so they could make money. It's just basic capitalism. Right. Like there's no and charity relation
0: in it. You know, I I get what you're saying. It was like I it's like I feel like there there's always the intent to make money when you spend money. You know, in some sort of way. Like, of course, you can do some some greater good. Like you said, like, you know, pay off some mortgages and keep you from losing your home. Like if that, I guess if that was a real issue and if something came up like that and that's not what they did, then like, you know, that would be kind of foul. But I'm just going to speak in generalities, like I know when they bought it up, they definitely was looking to make money off of it. And, you know, I guess like the thing that I would look for is like once you make money off the community is like, is it coming back in? Or I was like, or is it leaving? You know, like that's, that's my thing. It's like, I don't yeah, mind you whole making...
1: The black dollar argument. Right. Like, the black dollar stays in the community.
0: Exactly. So, if, if that is the object, is to build an infrastructure where the money can just, you know, facilitate and circulate around, then, I'm okay. I don't even yeah. mind. Because, it's, it's capitalism is is how the economy works. It's, you know, supply and demand. Throw all them terms out there. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's, you got all that stuff going on at work, and so like I don't, I don't really have too much of an issue if that's the thing. But I would I would have a little bit of an issue. Not like I'm not. I wouldn't boycott Ti if the, if the the money was leaving. But I would feel some type of way. It's like, bro, you brought up the block, and then you going out there, and then you just let them folk just. You know, come do you. that. You know, it, it I I feel some type, but I ain't gonna front to you. <sighs> but Amber, this has been a great talk. And I know you had a hard stop coming up here. Um and I I had already got started late, but I wanted to do the live thing. Um
1: Good.
0: So I really do appreciate your time. Uh did you got anything that you wanna say before you get up get up out of here? Uh in. And-
1: no, not really. No, I enjoyed really. it.
0: Just uh I guess like just remind people where they can follow you again.
1: Oh yeah, my um I have a Facebook and an Instagram, same name, the log court Amber.
0: All right. And everybody out there, I am CL Palmer. Uh or I'm at CL the main event on everything. You can follow the show at the Rundown South on every single platform. And if you're watching this on any of social media and you see that my eyes just kept going all over the place, that's because I'm hosting the show and producing it at the same time. So no, I'm not on any type of extra drugs, it's just <laughs> me doing two things at once, <laughs> but I appreciate everybody out there giving me some time and giving me your ears. I hope y'all learned something and y'all really had, um, you know, maybe you, you Got something that you want to do now that you've heard something. something
1: for real.
0: Say what? So yeah, I definitely
1: hope y'all learn something
0: for real. Uh, you know, I'm out here trying trying to put some some real spill into these folks' ears. Like I'm, I don't pop up and do a podcast because I feel like talking. That's not that's yeah. not my job. Like I'm out here trying to do some real work, whether it be on protests or if we are talking about music. I might give you a way to be enlightened about it. So that's that's my host. Steves right there, um like I said, appreciate everybody out there for watching, listening, and I'm um, out to peace.